So I always think it's super interesting that everyone really has the same problem, no matter the size of your company. Um, and even big companies, while I've scaled my company and gotten bigger and bigger, I've noticed it's harder and harder to innovation. And in this podcast, it's uh, Coop by Ryder. And what Ryder has is it sounds like they have a they have a part of their company that invests in smaller startup scaled up ideas. And that's where Coop came from. And it's it's obviously scaling up. But what you'll learn in this episode is he has the exact same problems you do in your business and I have in my business. We need to get our name out there. We need people to know who we are. And you got to think to yourself, I'm Ryder. We got like $90 billion in revenue, whatever the number is. How can, how can you guys struggle with that? But it, it is. It's a problem. It's a challenge every single company faces. And you're going to hear the story about a startup company inside a much larger, bigger organization and the things they had to do and the problems they had to solve. And they're able to use that larger corporation to leverage some things. But that's what I did with my company, too. I went out and found people. I made I made deals with people. I networked. I tried to do what I could to be like, you got some stuff I need. I got some stuff you need. Let's work together. And that's really what Ryder and Coop have done here. So I think you're going to enjoy this. Um, it's definitely something I hadn't heard of until recently. Definitely a twist on everything going on. But it actually makes a lot of sense. And even if you're not in the trucking space, there's actually outside investors. It's kind of like the air. They, they'll even say it. We're the Airbnb of trucks. So... Pay attention, listen to the episode. I think you'll take away some good nuggets of information and you'll learn about an amazing new product. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The DL. I am your host, Tyler Robertson, the CEO and founder of Diesel Laptops. As you know, if you've been listening over the last three, four seasons that we've been doing this, I love talking about things. I love bringing on new products and new services that you may not have heard of. And this one's a little bit new and they've been around for a little bit, but it's, it's by a bigger company um, and it's called Coop by Ryder. And when I first heard about it, it was about a year ago at a trade show. Someone was walking by and introduced. I'm like, what, what is this thing? What are they doing? How does it work? A lot of questions around that. I'm like, it's be a great episode. I learn, I'm going to learn something today. And I know you guys are as well. So John from Coop by Ryder, welcome on to the show, man. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's been a long time coming, like we were saying. So definitely excited to get it get it going. Yeah, it's always interesting, uh, especially with social media and LinkedIn, right? Like I've been sharing yeah. my stereo, my show on there. Like we're at trade shows. The, the, the interest is smaller, I think, than people realize it is. We all kind of yeah. end up knowing who we all are and the things we're doing. So yeah, it's good to be able to to sit down with you for a little bit and learn. It, that, it's honestly one of the things I love about the show is I get to sit down with people and I get to learn about their right. products and services and what they do. Um, so it's, it's always interesting. So how, how would you describe Coop to, to everyone that's listening if they've never heard of it? Like what's, what's, the, what's the pitch? Yeah, so Coop is a platform that connects fleet owners that have idle and additional equipment with companies that need to rent. So in essence, we joke that we're like the Airbnb of commercial vehicles. So we're that platform piece. Well, we uh, we start to say now we're like the Wikipedia of truck repair information. So we're totally nice. we're totally both we're totally both we're both totally both doing the same thing. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. it, it makes it makes sense. So when I heard about this, it was first at TMC, and this is like a year ago, right? And like truck freight's through the roof. You can't get trucks. You can't do anything. So that was my first thought when they told me this. I'm like, well, who's got excess trucks to rent? And they were like, yeah. well, you'd kind of be surprised. So, yes. so what's it, what's it looking like out there now? Like I'm a fleet and, and by the way, is a fleet, like I own one truck or I own a thousand trucks or what kind of trucks can you 
break that down a little bit for yeah, us as the, well. Yeah, the beauty, the beauty of it is that since it's practically an open marketplace, it can be from one to over 100, 200, 300 um, trucks and trailers. It's all business to business. So really on the owner side of the equation, it gives opportunities to private fleets, leasing companies, investors, entrepreneurs, um, people who need to cover their lease payment, people looking to make um, passive revenue. It gives everybody an opportunity to enter this marketplace. And on the renter side, they can rent one truck or they can rent over 200 trailers, for example. So it's just that marketplace that makes that connection. So this is a, a rider product, my, my right. understanding. Is this like homegrown by rider? I know you guys do yeah. a lot of mergers, acquisitions. Like where did this idea come from? So it came from within Ryder. Um, and, and I, I know that with Coop, it started off as an idea, practically a proof of concept in Atlanta. There were only three employees who are still actually with Coop to this day, five years ago in Atlanta. And it turned into this monster of a solution in a good sense, but it started off as an idea within Ryder to say, Hey, is this whole asset sharing platform, would it work in the commercial vehicle space? So the company's grown threefold year over year. It's still owned and backed by Ryder and we utilize that infrastructure. But at the same time, we have the flexibility to adapt as we need to in this new concept, right? Most people have never heard of this. Uh, these days, people share their boats. I don't know if you know people share their pools as well. I, I wouldn't. I, I saw that. I'm on some pool groups on Facebook, and people are like yeah. sharing their pools. I'm like, what? what you is can it? share your share pool. Everything. You can share your camera accessories, um, like those very expensive cameras. So it started off as an idea. Um, but now there's over 100 employees. We're nationwide, have our own office here in Miami. So um, started within Ryder, but you're right. Ryder has a, a segment called Ryder Ventures where they invest in, acquire, and start companies. So it's great that Ryder, even being nine-year-old, multi-billion dollar, Fortune 500 company, has you know the, the mindset to do things like Coop so and others. What, what's interesting here is, I mean, Ryder, what, I mean, Ryder is a lot of things, right? But one of the things it's known for right. is, hey, we have rental trucks and we rent trucks to people. And now you guys built a platform, essentially. It's like, well, now you don't even need our trucks, right? And we're still going to rent you stuff. Yeah. Isn't that a little bit of a conflict, right? Yeah. I'm kind of stealing away some rental revenue, possibly from the other side of the fence, from the actual physical assets. Does that ever come up in conversation internally? Yeah. So it, it, internally, not so much because there's so much alignment. But that question is always asked as well. Um, but the beauty of it is that Ryder is able to satisfy its customers through diesel laptops, trucks, just as an example. So riders customers are still happy because they're um, going still to, to one area, which is rider, and they're getting what they need. And then riders happy, obviously they own rider, they own coop. So everybody's happy. So there's not too much of a, there's not necessarily a conflict of interest. We've been working in sync with riders. So our sales force works with their sales force to get the customer what they need. Yeah, it, it's got to be nice to have that that leverage or that those resources, right, to be able to help grow this right. thing with the the mothership rider being like, hey, we we got your back right. and everything. So going back to like how this works, is it is it one way? I'm assuming one ways aren't a thing, right? Because it's got to get back to to whoever owns the truck, or, or are those options, right. or is it all just local stuff? What what's kind of like the, yeah, the demographic here? 
Sure, sure. Yeah. So the one ways aren't too popular, I would say. And we suggest for the pickoff, pickup and the drop off to be at the same location, just to keep everything clean. Every once in a while, like there's some trucks right now in Texas, the owners are hoping to make them back to Ohio somehow, some way. Sometimes we work up those deals as well, right? But for the most part, it's the rental game and it's pick up and drop off at the same location. Yeah. Is it all is it all B2B or are consumers able to go rent these things as well? It's all B2B. It's yeah. all B2B. So um, of course, with uh, other rental companies, you can show up with your driver's license and the credit card and get the 26-foot box truck or trailer or whatever. But with us, it's all business to business. Um, rider, coup by rider is the middle person providing protection for the owners and seamlessness for the renter. So we're still in between. We're not just connecting you with the renter and saying, okay, y'all figure it out. We have everything set up there with 24 seven roadside assistance, contracts, payment processing. Um, I related to Uber as well, where there's no cash exchange, there's no contract. Yeah. It's the platform just to make everything seamless. Yeah. So anytime you go and create a marketplace, it's always a really difficult thing because you need both. Yeah. You need you need buyers and you need right. sellers, right? And you got to have one before yeah. the other, but yeah. no seller wants to come on a platform if there's no buyers. So how did how did you guys yeah. go about getting this going, right? And not only that, but you have to do this in a lot of different markets all the way across the United States. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So um I wasn't there in the beginning, but from my understanding, Atlanta, it was literally running around town, convincing people to share their trucks and sign the contract, right? Yeah. To come onto the platform. So you're right. Uh, we, we always say we can't rent what we don't have because again, we're not, we don't own any equipment as coop, right? So, um, in the beginning, it, once you start having those local successes, they took it regional. And then they started working their way through the South. We started working our way through the South. Now we went nationwide in February, but to do that, we have a huge, strong sales team that's local, regional, and national. That's, I mean, that's the only way to do it. Um, if you have someone calling from the other side of the country telling you about a new idea of, Hey, share your hundred something thousand dollar sleeper with me. Uh, it's, it's most likely not going to work out too well. But that's where the local sales reps and the customer support comes into play for sure on the national scale. Some markets are more developed than others, but it's growing um, in different areas. It's growing very, very quickly. So I, I want the audience to, to understand what happened there. This is a this is basically a startup inside rider, this multi mega billion dollar revenue company. And they literally have people going door to door saying, hey, will you sign up for this thing? And I think a lot of times people have it in their head perceived like, oh, big company, they can wave a magic wand and go scale a thing up like it's no big no. thing. It's yeah. not like that at all. It is really difficult. Yeah. Even even a company, yeah. I mean, we're nowhere near rider size, but we have good penetration into repair facilities across the United States. And we launch a new product. It's not like we just send one email out and the product's taking success. It takes a lot of time sure. and effort to go scale and, and, and get these things going and everything. So it's uh it's always interesting to talk to, hey, big companies, they get the, get the, they get the same problem as a small guy with one store trying to get more customers. Yeah. It, it's all the same. You got to start there and just put the effort in, in the ground, you know, put in, put the boots on the ground, so to speak, to go, to go get to all these people. 
Um, yeah, I, I like that you related it that way. That makes a ton of sense. Um, I come more from like startup um, business development for startups, bootstrap businesses. So that's yeah. more of my background. Um, and so it's it's been great treating it that way, but knowing we have the backing that that we need, right? But on the national scale, I mean, it is boots on the ground. We're literally knocking on doors, cold calling, LinkedIn, Expos, everything we can to get it going as we utilize the writer piece. But we got to treat it like a, a startup at the same time, pretend like it's not there. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so I'm curious too, like, I mean, I, you know, we all see the macro trends right now, right? Can't buy new trucks. Right. Um, a lot of used trucks out there, freight, you know, demand for freight starting to fall off a cliff. FedEx just yesterday or this weekend announced they're laying off people during peak season. So we, we can right. see kind of all these signs. And I, we also all know people really overpaid for used trucks the last year. Interest yep. rates are high now. Freight going down means yeah, there's probably some excess capacity on the market. Are you starting to see more and more people kind of looking for ways to 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 utilize their asset they have sitting there not doing anything? How's it been on the I don't know if you call it demand or supply, I guess supply side. Sure. How's it how's sure. it how's it been there the last, you know, six, nine months? Are you seeing some some movement at all? There's yeah, there's been movement. Um, especially with the whole contract versus spot rate that that shifted who was renting the equipment. The equipment was still needed. It just shifted who was getting it or being able to rent it based off of that. Um, on the supply side, I would say, depending on the size of the company, for example, there's a large private fleet, over 250 trucks and trailers. He overbought, hedged it. Now his decision is, should I sell it or should I try to find a way to make passive revenue because I can run my business with 60%. What do I do with 40%? Yep. So he decided to give Cooper try and it's actually working out extremely well for him. Now that's a larger type private fleet. Now you get into um, a smaller owner operator who has that, those lease payments. Um, we had a lot of calls last week of people literally wanting to stay within trucking, but they're not being able to get loads. And they yep. got that lease payment to take care of. Yep. So this gives them another option for that. So the past six or nine months, yeah, there's been some shifts, um, but it's practically just been on the supply side, how we can help different sizes. And on the demand side, it's just shifted who's renting it out practically. Yeah. No, I, I'm sure I'm sure the rider execs know this too, right? I mean, there's a lot of good data yeah. and insights you're getting on on like not even the macro economy, but like what's happening in this city at this particular yeah. time based on supply and demand of vehicles. Right. So they always say data is the new oil, right? So I we get it over here. I at like Diesel. that. I haven't heard that yet. <laughs> I'm actually going to write that down. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure you guys are are are, are thinking the same way. Um, so how how does it work pricing them, right? Like, I, I guess I don't even know how this works, like for a Airbnb or the, sure. the rent my pool type people. But do you give guidance to the people that have the assets to say this is what you should rent them for? Or is it kind of just yeah. like free open market or what? what is the what is the the renter or rentee or how I'm using the wrong words, but how does that person decide what to rent them for? Sure. So we have developed something called the Coop Smart Rate. So as you said, from the data side, it takes into a lot of factors into the analytics. And then, of course, we apply our uh, insight as well. And you as an owner or lender, you can log into your profile. And depending on the age, the make, the model, the market, it's going to suggest a price for you. 
Now we've figured out that if you price it at our suggestion or less, there's a 60% higher chance of it going out. So you can price it more. And sometimes we may encourage you to price it more. Um, but there's the coop smart rate in the platform. Now each owner has their rep as well, like a account rep sales rep that brings them deals. So there's the platform that generates demand organically. And then I can also call you and say, Hey, I got a deal for you. We'll push it through the app, but here are the terms. So in the app, the coop smart rate is what, um, provides that suggestion, but we give our insight as well. So I know for people that are looking to rent out their equipment, um, like I think of the story of Airbnb, like I remember yeah. reading about Airbnb or podcast or whatever it was. And one right. of the struggles they had was people just taking crappy photos, <laughs> like yeah. just one yeah. blurry photo of like the backyard. And they're like, I can't, yeah. I can't rent it like this. Right. And they literally like hire photographers to go out and actually to take better out. photos right. and do those things. And I got to imagine, you know, these people that own the trucks are not, they're not photographers. They're not used to building a listing. It's a marketing thing at the end of the day. Is, is that a problem or is that just something that, that it really hasn't really applied yet to what you guys are doing over at Coop? No, it, it has applied. Um, and when I bring on the new owner, regardless of the size, we always encourage photos. Now, if someone doesn't upload a photo, it does a stock image, but you always, just like when you book a hotel room on booking.com or Airbnb, yeah. you want to see what you're getting. And so that conversation with the owner, we're, we definitely highly encourage it. And we've sent out photographers as well, but it's as simple as uh, I tell them, you can just use your phone and upload into the app because there's a mobile app. So you don't need to be a professional photographer and such. You need the front, the sides, the back, inside the bed if you need to, and then inside the dash. So it's not complicated, but relaying to them that there's a higher chance of it going out because if you don't have pictures and the guy down the street from you does, yeah. even if he has a higher price, his will probably go out because like you said, of the pictures. Yeah. So um, it's a constant you know, conversation. Yeah. I mean, I see it in the used truck market all the time. Like I go on yeah. truckpaper.com and the guy's like, yeah. I want 150 grand for this truck. And he's got like one blurry photo. I'm like, really? Yeah. Like that, yeah, that, that's, exactly. your, that's your marketing effort you're putting towards this. Like you got to put a, right. put a little effort into things to, to make them work. All right. So, so render has a truck. He rents it from somebody. They agree on the rates. All the things happen. I'm assuming the guy, it's like an Airbnb almost. They just shows up at that person's place. They, they sure. get the keys. They get in the truck. What, what happens when the truck breaks down? Like who, how does yeah. that process happen? Yeah. So, um, renter has the truck. Let's say it breaks down. There's actually 24 seven roadside assistance via coupe by rider. And so the driver can literally call the hotline and then we get that taken care of in terms of bringing out roadside assistance or bringing out a tow. Now, just like Airbnb, for example, um, the owner is responsible for the upkeep to make sure it's rentable. Any accidents are just like if you go to Enterprise or Hertz and rent a car, any accidents, of course, is on the renter. So depending on what happened during that accident, we investigate it and then get it taken care of, make sure the renter is safe, make sure the equipment's good. And then the billing depends on who was at fault practically. But we get it taken care of um, through our through our network 
And so that's the benefit we bring for these owners and the benefit we bring for these renters. Yeah. I, I got to say, it gives a lot of a lot of comfort, right? And confidence yes. to someone renting a truck when it's like riders here. You guys fix trucks all day long. It's definitely right. in your wheelhouse. Like, again, I can right. see the leverage point there. Um, the other one that kind of came to my mind when I was, you know, doing my little research was insurance. So I think a lot of yeah, listeners might be one. used to like, oh, hey, I rent a car. I go in. They just like, do you have insurance? Like, yep, I got insurance or nope, charge yeah. me. And that's that's like the end of the conversation. I got to imagine right. it's a little bit different with commercial truck insurance. Somewhat. Not not necessarily, though. Not too different. Um, as a renter, the rental the company renting the vehicle, they need to come with their own insurance and there's thresholds, but they can also buy rider's insurance. So it's similar to that rental car aspect to where do you want to put it on yours or do you want to put it on riders during this reservation period? So that piece is taken care of on the renter side. On the owner side, it depends if it's a power unit or a trailer, but we may require minimal liability insurance, but the whole rental is ran under the renter's insurance. So if anything happens, it hits theirs first, which is one of the key questions from the owner side, as you can imagine. But on the renter side, it's as easy as show us your COI. We need this, this, and this, or buy ours, and you're good to go. Yeah, and with you guys being B two B, the renters already have all those things. There you anyway, go. Yeah, right? they already so, have yeah, it. It's... Yeah, they're already leasing or renting yeah. or they're owning, so it facilitates it quite a bit. Yeah. So, are you guys? I guess the other thing is, like, I'm assuming as we're talking here, it's a lot of like local local stuff, box trucks. I'm imagining probably some tractors. Do you guys get into like the more specialized stuff? Are people trying to rent things? I mean, trucks have bodies of equipment on them. Does does, yeah. that, does that ever come into play too? Like I got a dump truck or a mixer truck or a crane truck, or is that not not on the spectrum yet? So the other day we got asked about um, the concrete mixing trucks. Yeah, we got asked about those. The thing is, you can list it, but of course, you know the demand. That's the other side of it, right? Yeah. Um, but we get asked this morning, we had conversations about yard dogs. Yep. So there's a huge opportunity, uh, there, um, chassis, car hauler trailers. Um, what else was there? Pneumatic tanks. So we do get, um, different requests for what we consider a special equipment It's just, we're refining our platform because right now it's, you know, trucks, vans, trailers. Yeah. For the most part. So we're refining our platform for those specialized equipment. But like I said, we have a sales force, right? So we can bring deals just like the, the yard dogs or the chassis or anything like that. Um, we can work deals on, on specialized equipment, but we, we're getting some very creative, um, ideas out there. Um, someone mentioned the, um, the dump truck, somebody mentioned, and also I'm not familiar with it because I'm not around yeah. snow. But, um, the, uh, plow trucks probably or sand yeah, trucks. Yeah, pl- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, so people are like back to our, one of your questions earlier, people are finding creative ways to make money on their idle equipment. They already own it. Right. So the, the mixer truck one is fascinating. My, my family owns, yes. my family owns ready mix operations, right? Oh, okay. So, so there's, there's points where of the year where they're like, pulling trucks out of the weeds because they have a big job that they got to do. They've been like parked yeah. for two years. Like we need to have a truck running by next week. Pull, <laughs> pull one out. Right. And then yeah. there's points are like, well, I got a bunch of trucks sitting here with nothing going on. Like what, what's going yeah. on? And there's this really seasonal too with the winter. They're, they're in Northern Minnesota. Sure. So, sure. um, so what's interesting, like about a mixer truck is usually on people that need a mixer truck, 
are the people that own ready mix plants. And if they're in the right. same geographical area, they're probably all competing with each other. But on the other hand, they probably should be working together to share assets yeah. because it'd probably make yeah. more money for everybody in that in that equation, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting as technology and new ideas and, and new things open up, how it impacts how people view their business and are you a competitor? Are you a cooperative competitor? Like all these friendly competitor, all these things. Um, and you've mentioned a couple times, which is trailers uh, with the pneumatic. You mentioned trailers earlier. Is that, yeah. are those currently on the platform? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we have any, anything from um, drive-in, the three-foot drive-in. We have the reefer trailers. There's chassis. There's flatbeds. Um, trailers is a big bulk of the business, and it's not just what's interesting. Um, actually, I'll give you an example. Out of Dallas, there's a new owner that came on. Right, um, five day cabs. A national account took those, and they took them away from Dallas for yeah. three months. So the owner to a large extent doesn't care where they go, yeah. bring them back when you're done and then coop pay me. Right. Yep. So, um, it's not just local or regional. It's, it's, there's a potential, even if you get a national account, they don't care where it comes from. They just need the equipment, make sure everything's good. Um, so it's interesting that a small local operation like that gentleman, actually was able to satisfy a national account who typically goes to Penske or Ryder or anybody large for day caps. So yeah. the same thing happens for the dry vans, the reefers, the box trucks, um, sprinter vans, but we play into the class eights as well at the same time on the national scale. Yeah. I mean, this is all fascinating because like, look at Airbnb at first was yeah. just for people to like rent out a room, make extra income. And then it was like, well, I'm not living anymore. I rent the whole thing. And now you see people who have like eight, nine, 10 Airbnbs all over yep. the country. And it's like a new revenue stream for them, essentially. Yeah. Do you think it can get that way with trucks? Is that is that a possible thing where someone's just like, I'm just buying these things and rent them out through, through Coop? Is that a feasibility? So it, it's happening. It's happening right now. Um, and that's the piece that actually I work the most with. I work, um, aside from doing partnerships, strategic partnerships, I actually work with the division, me and a colleague of mine. We run the asset investor segment within Coop. And that's literally from a passive sense. And it could be an existing equipment owner and it could be someone completely not from the industry. It's kind of amazing. So we deal with a lot of real estate investors because in the end this is property yep. it's just property on wheels and it depreciates instead of appreciates so it diversifies their investment portfolio but we deal with a lot of investors from Turo, Airbnb, um, a lot of tech guys actually wanting to get something more tangible and we run the whole business for them they just have to purchase own and park the equipment which we can facilitate as well but we run everything else. So demand generation, payment processing, claims, everything. So it's happening right now. It's obviously Airbnb, like they say, if you had known about it 10 years ago, was kind of like the, the most opportune time, right? Yeah. I would say it's oversaturated. Same thing with Turo. But you're in this market. I mean, to oversaturate this market, I mean, you'd have to land 3,000 trucks or trailers in a city. Yeah. But other than that, it's not going to be oversaturated. So the investors, um, it's new for the outside investors. So for them to wrap their head around the whole trucking industry yeah. is new. But the truck rental industry in the U.S. 
is actually larger than vacation rentals and car rentals. Yeah. And, but we've never thought about that, right? No, p- people never realize. And that, like, I, I keep talking to people like, oh, we help with fixed trucks and parts for trucks. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah. do you realize there's like <laughs> 80 or 90 billion a year spent in the U.S. on repairing trucks, yeah. right? It's, a, it's these yeah. big industries people never realize. Huge. And yeah, people outside our industry have no idea how big trucking is or the impact it has on our economy and all the things. So no, that's just fascinating. I mean, I, I know yeah. the Airbnbs and the VRBOs, they kind of get a lot of, a little bit of heat from critics who say, well, you're you're driving up rent in our neighborhood and our in our sure. home values because you're just sure. renting them out, and the people that should live here can't afford to buy them now. But it's yeah. supply and demand; it all it all work itself out. It's this the story that's unfolded in in you know the United States for for centuries, right? So, right, uh, well, hundreds of years at least. Uh, so, uh, yeah, very interesting everything that's going on here. So, biggest challenge today. Last question for you: What's the biggest challenge sure. going in a coop? Where where are you guys struggling the most? Um. The biggest challenge is letting people know that we're here as a solution, right? And that's why uh, I absolutely love doing these collaborations, especially with companies like yours. Um, but just letting people know we're here and letting people know about the solution. Because in the end, it is a solution for idle additional equipment or investors, sure. But it's a huge solution for the companies that can't find the equipment from even rider like we talked about the conflict of interest just by chance maybe rider doesn't have it well guess what tyler's logistics down the street has it and we can facilitate for you so the biggest challenge is letting people know that we're here it's legit um and it it makes it makes just too much sense to be honest with you and that's the feedback i've been getting is that it just makes too much sense why aren't people sharing their assets more or maybe they are but how about the protection side of it so so that's one of the biggest uh challenges i would say but like you said you know this better than almost anybody and i and i follow your linkedin post i followed it for years it's boots on the ground that mentality is the mentality you gotta have you gotta have that mentality to get it going yeah it, it's for everyone listen to this it's a grind right and you know you can yeah. say the stats all day long People need to see your name eight to 12 times before they'll even engage. That's a lot of people yeah. you got to talk to. And in your case, a lot of different cities all over the place. Yep. So uh, trust me, people, people have the same, no matter how size your company, we all got the same problem. How do you keep getting in front of more and more customers and making yeah. them aware that you exist and that you're the first phone call? So we're, we're all there. So John, it's been great having you on and everything, man. Uh, people want to go check out Coop more. They want to go connect with you, whatever it is. Sure. What do you want to throw them? Yeah, so you can go to coop.com. Um, we're very active as well on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And if you have any questions, reach out at John underscore M-A-T-H-E-U-S at writer.com. And we'll be uh, definitely happy to help. I have to throw in one shout out. I promised my sidekick here at here in the office. He's been watching every podcast and he asked for a shout out. So I got to get Frank a shout out, Frank the Tank. So. Uh, I had to throw that in there at some well, point. Hopefully I can meet Frank the Tank and we can actually meet in person, shake some hands on the trade shows. Oh, I know of course. One of the trade shows. Yeah, yeah, we got TMC coming up. I don't know if you guys go to Con Ed, Con Expo, HDIW. Yeah. We're, we're at a bunch of them. So hopefully I'll uh, hopefully run across you there and uh, say hello. So again, thank you for coming on. Of course. We're going to wrap this episode up for everybody. And as we always say, it's not just diagnostics. It's diagnostics done right start thinking about sharing assets. It's a whole new revenue stream, a whole new world out there. The more you understand, the more you can optimize your business. Check them out over at Ryder Coop. So thank you very much. Catch you in the next episode. Thank you for watching and listening.